You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Greetings, fellow believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. In this episode, I will present what I believe the Bible teaches about dispensations. The information I'm going to share may very well be challenging to both dispensationalists and non-dispensationalists. The subject, of course, is extremely important as it pertains to how we understand God's purpose for the nation of Israel and his purpose for the church. And then how God's character and viewpoint will be represented during the time uh, in the future that is called in the in the Bible, the end times. Now, I think that before anyone divides history into periods and calling them dispensations or even ages, one needs to actually define what a dispensation is. Uh, Let me suggest that biblically speaking, the doctrine of dispensations the existence of dispensations cannot be challenged. It's the distortion and abuse of the facts that must be challenged. Of course, all the major doctrines of the Bible have been splintered into various interpretations. Should be no surprise then that dispensational theology would likewise suffer from the same attack. But many of us see things differently. All we can do is compare scripture with scripture and try to reach a reasonable interpretation of the passages and topics. Uh, Just as Paul exhorts us in in dealing with another subject at Romans 14.5, let each one become fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, according to Ephesians 3, 2, and 9, in the favorite King James translation, the word dispensation is a good old English word. However, exactly what it means is a different issue. In the New American Standard, it is translated as both stewardship and as administration. The Greek word is oikonomia, and it's a combination of the word namos, which means law, and the word oikos, which means house. Uh, Thus, it comes to mean the law of the house. And it refers to the function of ruling over the house or administrating the law of the house. Paul's use of the word describes a function and and not really any specific period of time. The function is that of having authority and responsibility to manage something. That something is God's house. God's house is the whole substance of God's truth as revealed in the Old Testament as it was taught by Jesus, revealed to the apostles, and it's preserved for us today only in the 66 books of the Bible. The house involves God's plan for promoting and restoring the kingdom of light on the earth after darkness entered into the human race with the fall of Adam in the garden. This is what Jesus was talking about when he told us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, That is, we are to seek the promotion of the standards and viewpoint of God's kingdom here on the earth. That is also the significance of its occurrence in Christ's example prayer, often called the Lord's Prayer. 
One of the concerns in our prayer activity should be the promotion and influence of God's righteous standards here on earth. Uh, thus, we should pray something to the effect, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, that is, we should pray for opportunities for God's standards of righteousness to be proclaimed and evidenced on the earth. The word oikonomia is used at Ephesians 3.2 and Colossians 1.25 to indicate this uh, function of stewardship. It's used at Ephesians 1.10 with the phrase, the administration of the fullness of times, the summing up of all things in Christ. So it's a stewardship of representing the plan of God that will be brought to completion in and through the person of Jesus Christ. Paul uses the word in this way at Ephesians 3, 2. If you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. Uh, this refers to that function of stewardship. And at Colossians 1, 25, he wrote, of which church I was made a servant according to the stewardship from God granted to me for your benefit so that I might make full explanation of the word of God. There's another form of the word. It is oikonomos. It's used several times to indicate the person who performs the function of being a steward. For Paul, at 1 Corinthians 4.1, regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And then for every believer, at 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Now, this uh, word stewardship it does not refer to which people God is dealing with, but to which people God is using to represent the authority and viewpoint of his kingdom of light here on earth. It refers to whom God is using as his stewards of truth. Also, it pertains only to uh, an earthly function. It doesn't refer to personal salvation or to any activity in heaven. As it applies to dispensational theology, it refers to how God administrates his truth in the world after sin entered at the fall of Adam. Now, again, I have to say, does not refer to who God is dealing with, but with whom God is using to be his witnesses on the earth. Actually, at all times, God is always dealing with the entire populated world and inviting all to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So in order to deal with the human race and man's sin problem, God has used a different group of people to administer or represent his truth at different times in the history of man. The biblical division of history then is based on who is the steward for administrating or representing God's authority and viewpoint on the earth. Any labeling or dividing into periods of time must be based on who is God's administrator. It has nothing to do with arbitrary divisions such as innocence, conscience, or human government, or even law or grace for that matter. Accordingly, I suggest that the traditional number and description of the dispensations is not accurate. Ephesians 3 
2 through 11 explains that at the present time, that is at verse 5 as it has now been revealed, there is an administration of the mystery, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men. Now, this indicates first that during the church age, the now of verse 5, there is a function of administration over God's plan, which is called here the mystery. Secondly, it indicates that prior to now, there was a different administration. That is, there was someone different or a different group of people who had the responsibility to administer God's truth to the world. And then thirdly, it also indicates that there is now an advance on the revealed truth of God, uh, which is called the mystery, which had not been revealed to previous generations. This is seen in the image that Jesus taught at Matthew 13, 52. Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a household manager who brings out of his treasure new things and old. The administrator that was before the now of verse 5 was the nation of Israel. We see the commission given to Israel at Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. And the purpose of the nation is also mentioned at Psalm 67, 1 and 2, which is uh, another one among many, many others. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Concentrate that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. And then at verse 7, God blesses us so that all the ends of the earth may reverence him. At Matthew 21, 42 through 46, and 23, 37 through 39, we learn that the kingdom of God would be taken away from Israel and be given to a different nation. The removal of the kingdom does not refer to the removal of the promised earthly kingdom. That's not in view at all. Nor is it a denial of salvation to individual Jews. It refers to, re, to, the, to, to the removal of the privilege and the responsibility for the nation to represent the kingdom of God as the administrator of God's truth. This removal of stewardship, it happened before in the history of Israel through the Babylonian captivity. The prophecy of that time of discipline was proclaimed and written at Hosea 4.6. And the same situation occurred in 30 A.D., because the nation rejected Jesus as their Messiah and Savior. Hosea wrote, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Since you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Although only temporary within the scope of God's plan for Israel, the nation's function as God's priest or steward was removed, and that function was given to a different steward, a spiritual nation that Jesus called my church at Matthew 16, 18. We see this in the language at 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. 
And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by people, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are an elect people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of his character who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the church is now the priestly administrator or steward of the truth of God. And the time period or dispensation for this function should be known as the administration of the church or the age of the church or the dispensation of the church. We find the term administration of the grace of God at Ephesians 3. Uh, this refers to a new spiritual reality and function based on the historical arrival and redemption work of Jesus. It's not grace that is the administrator. It is grace that is being administrated. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Uh, in the same way, the previous dispensation is not the age of the law. It is not the law that is doing the administrating. In fact, the messianic promise around which salvation revolves really has nothing to do with the Mosaic law except through representative symbolism, just as Hebrews 9.9 indicates, which was a symbol for the present time. Yes, it was the nation that administrated God's truth as the evangelistic agent or priest or steward the various facets of the law were used to draw attention to the core message of God's truth, which has always been salvation from the penalty of sin. And the ultimate purpose of every facet of the Mosaic law, especially the moral code, can be summed up by Second Chronicles 6.33, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and reverence you. Now, since this administrative function is viewed as a priestly function, as was indicated at Hosea 4.6, along with Exodus 19, 5 and 6, 1 Peter 2.9, and Hebrews 13.15 and 16, we can view the members as a priesthood. And so we can designate this dispensation as the administration of Israel or the dispensation of the national priesthood. And then after that, the dispensation or administration of the church can be designated as the dispensation of the spiritual priesthood, or as Peter called it, a royal priesthood. Now, since the age of Israel began when God made the covenant with Israel after the rescue from Egypt, there was a dispensation or priestly administration before that. Before the establishment of a physical nation as the evangelistic agent or priestly administrator, God's truth was represented by individuals who were the spiritual heads of their family clans. Adam, Seth, Enoch, Noah, Shem, Job, Melchizedek, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. A good designation in this case would be the age of the family priest. That's why we see Melchizedek as the priest of Salem and Jethro as the priest of Midian. 
the term age of the Gentiles is, is not accurate because it's not really Gentiles or nations that had the function of being God's stewards. Again, it was the individual family priest, as I've already shown. Uh, and since everyone was a non-Israelite, the designation age of Gentiles is kind of irrelevant. And, and here's another important factor. The age of Israel or the national priesthood did not begin with Abraham. Now, there are two reasons. Number one, Exodus 19, 5 and 6 clearly indicates that God's commission began with the new nation that was not in existence until after the deliverance from Egypt. And, and number two, Abraham didn't form a new nation, but was in fact himself a, a member of a non-Israelite nation. And after his salvation, he functioned as a family priest and administered spiritual authority as a steward of God's truths that were revealed to him. Okay, so the traditional division of human history into seven different time periods or dispensations, innocence, conscience, human government, promise, law, grace, and kingdom, is artificial. It has nothing to do with the true significance of administrating God's truth to the world. Uh, shouldn't we designate these times of stewardship according to the division seen in Scripture? These dispensations, ages, they actually didn't begin until after the fall of Adam. And they refer to the different human agents that God used to administrate the salvation message to the world. Now, accordingly, the traditional age of innocence is not valid either, as it precedes the everlasting times that Paul mentioned at Titus 1-2. And it precedes the need to administrate gospel-type information. Titus 1-2, in the confidence of eternal life, which the non-deceiving God promised before the everlasting times. The preposition before indicates that the promise of salvation that was given to Adam and Isha was given before the various ages or distinct time periods began. That is, the promise was given because it was at that time that the need for salvation had become an issue for them. And accordingly, that began the first dispensation during which the gospel would be proclaimed. <coughs> now, furthermore, since God administrated the salvation message in exactly the same way from Adam until the nation of Israel, that whole period should be viewed as one administration. And since the traditional divisions of conscience and human government have nothing to do with the administration of the gospel, they are not valid dispensational divisions. So the time period from Adam to Israel is the first dispensation, and, and it was administered by various family priests who represented divine truth to their respective societies. And there was no change in administration of the gospel during this time period, whether it was before or after the flood or after Babel or during the time of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. The administration of the gospel was always the same. There wasn't a change in stewardship, nor there was, was there a need for a change until God gave the evangelistic commission to Israel at its deliverance from Egypt. And at the time of the change, there was a period of transition from one to the next. So prior to Israel, it was the family priest who was responsible to represent truth within his society. Then God chose the nation of Israel to function in that capacity. 
But at the time Israel was chosen and began to function in her priestly role, there were still family priests representing truth, such as Jethro, the priest of Midian, and others. Just because God had created a special nation to carry the torch of truth doesn't mean he would immediately shut down those priests who, will, uh, who were still serving. The next change in dispensations must also be based on a change in the administration of the gospel. Now here there's usually little dispute. Israel was temporarily set aside and replaced by the church. And at that time, there was a period of transition from 30 AD until 70 AD when the nation was physically destroyed by the legions of Rome. During that period, God used the church to invite the citizens of the nation of Israel to disassociate from that nation and identify with the Messiah. This was in order to participate in the spiritual blessings and avoid the physical judgment of uh, association with the nation in 70 AD. Well, the church is going to be the administrator of God's truth until it is removed so that at that time, Israel can once again become the evangelistic agent uh, to prepare the world for the Messiah's earthly kingdom. This will happen during the period of time that has come to be designated as the 70th week of Daniel. Now, here is where it can get complicated and very exciting. After the Babylonian captivity, God promised Israel 490 years to function as his representative on the earth. They functioned in this capacity officially until they rejected Jesus as the promised Messiah and Savior 483 years after the promise was given. And at that time, God turned away from Israel with seven years yet remaining for them to fulfill their evangelistic commission. Uh, we can see this as the stopping of God's clock for the nation of Israel. Um, but at some time in the future, God will restart Israel's time clock and give them the remaining seven years of the promised 490. The Bible teaches that in the future, there will come a time when economic, religious, and societal conflicts will escalate in Europe, Asia, and the Middle East to the point of serious international chaos. The popularly held biblical view is that a dynamic and charismatic individual with a Roman Empire heritage will be the one to pull things together. He will be a benevolent international leader who will bring order out of the chaos by establishing a seven-year peace experiment that will basically focus on religious toleration. This peace experiment will diffuse the cultural and religious time bomb in the Middle East and will allow Israel her ancient worship rituals in Jerusalem and will also accommodate the Islamic claims to the city. This will begin the 70th week of Daniel. This is the promised seven-year period and it will be the time for Israel to once again be called upon to be God's evangelistic agent on the earth. But before she can fulfill that function, the church will still be here proclaiming the gospel and pre preparing many people of Israel to recognize Jesus as the promised Messiah. The time during the 70th week prior to the arrival of Jesus will be a period of transition 
that will prepare the nation of Israel to once again function as the administrator of God's truth. Now, at the midpoint of the peace experiment, Satan is going to assassinate the benevolent world leader and then will resuscitate him. And then Satan will possess him and will empower him so that he will become the evil man of lawlessness, or as the book of Revelation symbolically designates him, the beast. This Satan-possessed man will be given an official reign of 42 months, which will extend from the midpoint of the week until the end of the week. When he begins his reign, he will break the peace experiment and begin a massive persecution of Israel and the church. This is called in scripture the tribulation. The tribulation will begin then at the midpoint of the 70th week, but it won't continue to the end of the week. Before the end of the week, at an unknown day and hour, which the Father has decreed according to his own timing and wisdom, the tribulation will actually be cut short by the return of Jesus. At that time, the rapture will occur, which will remove the Christians from the earth and take them into heaven. As a result, 144,000 Jews will be convicted and motivated to recognize Jesus as the Savior. They're going to trust in him and then begin to function as God's servants. So it can be said that once again, Israel will officially be serving as God's evangelistic agent to represent his truth to all the people who are left on the earth after the rapture. Now, during the next many months after Christ's second coming, the wrath of God will be poured out upon the beast and his worshipers. This will culminate with the battle of Armageddon 30 days after the end of the 70th week. After that, all unbelievers will be removed from the earth and only believers will be left alive to go into the Messiah's earthly kingdom. <clears throat> and that brings us to the fourth dispensation. The fourth dispensation follows upon the 70th week of Daniel after a 70 day, uh, pardon me, a 75 day time of preparation is based on Daniel 12, 11 and 12. This will be administered by the newly established kingdom of Israel that will function directly under Christ's rulership for a thousand years. The focus is going to be on the kingdom rather than the nation of Israel. We can call this the dispensation of the kingdom priesthood. And it's going to begin with believers only. They will be living in normal physical bodies and functioning as faithful subjects to Christ the king and to his bride, uh, the saints who were resurrected at the rapture. There's still going to be normal procreation for these people, and everyone will still have a sin nature. So after many years, there will once again be a need for evangelism throughout the world. And even with Christ personally present and reigning in righteousness, there's still going to be many who inwardly rebel against him. That's the nature of the sin nature. It is naturally independent from God. Now, during this time, Satan will be imprisoned and unable to influence anyone on the earth until later he is released at the end of the thousand years. One of the reasons for this earthly kingdom and the imprisonment of Satan is to demonstrate that man is sinful by nature and rebellious against God without any influence from Satan. Everyone must take personal responsibility for their own sinful nature and sinful deeds and 
trust in Jesus as the only source for forgiveness. No one will be able to claim, as comedian Flip Wilson quipped many years ago, the devil made me do it. Now, at the end of the earthly kingdom, Satan will be released and he will rally the now massive population of unbelievers for a final attempt to destroy the plan of God by defeating, uh, defeating Jesus. Of course, that's going to go nowhere fast. The rebellious horde of unbelievers will be destroyed and Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. After this, the final stage of the Day of the Lord events will occur, which will be the last judgment of Revelation 20. When the last judgment is concluded, the fifth dispensation will begin. The fifth dispensation is the eternal age, during which truth will be administered by the Godhead, and as finite creatures, we will continually be growing up toward greater and greater love and worship of God. But right now, we are progressing through the church age until the time when God has determined to restore the nation of Israel to its place of promise and uh, give it its long-delayed physical blessings. It's the purpose of the 70th week of Daniel to bring the nation to that place where it can enjoy both the spiritual blessings as well as the physical blessings of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, the process for bringing national Israel back into favor with God involves the evangelistic activity of the church, both before and during the 70th week, uh, that is up until Christ returns. Then, after the church is removed through the rapture, the 144,000 will pick up the torch of service and complete the process of national restoration. The challenge then is to be certain that we use biblical terms and definitions to understand how God has worked in the human race in order to vindicate his own wisdom, righteousness, justice, and love. His glory was promoted through individuals who were family priests, such as Noah, who was a proclaimer of righteousness, and Melchizedek, who was the priest of Salem. He promoted his glory through the nation of Israel during the time that they functioned as a national priesthood in order that all the peoples of the earth may know God, know his name, and reverence him. He has been promoting his glory through the church as a royal priesthood growing in grace and knowledge to the glory and praise of God. And then once again, the nation of Israel will be used by God to promote his glory through the witness of the 144,000 servants after the church is raptured. And finally, after that infamous battle of Armageddon, the kingdom of Israel, governed by the personal presence of Jesus, will be the universal witness to the faithfulness and love of God. And the knowledge of God will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And then after that, the everlasting home of all believers will be the new Jerusalem. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.